All right, so Fiona, does Dr. Quantum have cake? Does Dr. Quantum have cake? (laughs) I hate this question. (laughs) (laughs) So he is like, he's like pretty covered up by like the cape. Um, He sort of like wears it around him kind of like a shawl like it's not like behind him it like goes like over his shoulders and like falls forward so i mean you can decide if you think that's hot or not <laughs> but when the wind blows does he have those apple bottom jeans <laughs> <laughs> i god you guys are the worst you're all fired <laughs> all right we all get replaced mid-season. <laughs> um, I am recasting. If, if anyone is interested in playing uh, in playing the characters, I am recasting now. <laughs> uh, we, we, we play the rest of the season from Jackrabbit's Other Dimension. <laughs> oh, fun. That's like an entirely different genre there, too. Yeah, that is the equivalent of just saying everyone passed your character sheet to the left. Congratulations. Uh-huh. 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 <laughs> If if you had to cast your characters, who would you pick? I don't know actors. Okay, good talk. Okay, yeah, yeah good. no, no one would cast anyone. No one's. Everyone's afraid now. Glad, glad we had this. <laughs> They're discussion. afraid I'm going to make some phone calls. I don't know any actors like at all. Knowing our luck, someone's going to get fucking like Michael Sarah. God, <laughs> absolutely not. I fucking hate Michael Sarah. Could can Michael Sarah be Juno? <laughs> No. Actually, actually, yes. I am 100% a fan of that idea. Michael Sarah is Dr. Quantum. <laughs> all right. Do we get do we get all that out of our system? I think so. Okay. I had more, but you go ahead. We're all ready for the okay. you know emotionally charged dramatic scene that's about to happen. Yeah, we got we gotta get the giggles out before we get into the drama of it. Also, I have a, a, a game question. Um, by leaving the group and going to Dr. Quantum, would I have cleared my insecure condition? Um, let me look at insecure. Is that running from something difficult? Um, it's like do something without consulting the rest of your team to make yourself feel better about whatever. Yeah, I would say that if you feel like that made Juno feel better, because that seems to be the like key part of it to me, is right. like, yeah. So if you if you feel that way, then yeah, I'll let you clear insecure. I, I've got two other ones, so I figured, <laughs> I figured losing one was probably not the worst idea. Um, so yeah, so we ended last time. Um, with Juno in each panel uh, going up to the door and then knocking on it. Um, The opening panel this time is exactly where we left off. Juno Juno knocking at the door. And then I imagine a uh, full page of uh, Dr. Quantum opening the door. Um, He has given you the address of like, it's not like his house. So he is in costume here. this is more like where he works. So he has sort of, he, he does entertain quite a bit. Um, so you can sort of see behind him in the doorway. Um, you can see like um, comfortable chairs to sit in and things like that. You know, just from like living in the city that Dr. Quantum is often used as like an ambassador for things. Um, he will, you know, 
he, he will try to engage diplomatically when he can in addition to being like a master uh, a master tactician uh, he does try to often resolve things peacefully and so that everyone can be on the same page as one another so he opens the door and he doesn't look particularly surprised to see you um but he uh he looks at you and and uh, says uh, ah juno please come in and uh, stands aside to allow you to come in uh yeah she she enters and she looks around she looks um like she doesn't know what she is supposed to do now that she is inside um like she doesn't want to accidentally break anything uh but dr quantum could easily see that she is very upset just Mm -hmm. based on the look on her face um so in juno's mind right now um what what is going on in her head that made her go to Dr. Quantum? Uh, as she was lo- walking the streets, um, trying to, like, figure out how she's supposed to deal with this kind of thing, her first instinct was truly, you know, I, I have to report this to some kind of authority. Um, but I think Junio knows deep in her heart that if she took this to, like, the council to see a uh, rules lawyer in business or, you know, whoever's in that day, that that would very easily destroy all of her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, even though she knows that is the right thing to do on paper, mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't want to hurt them as, as angry and conflicted as she is right now about, about everyone. Um, mm-hmm. So she figured going to Dr. Quantum would be still the right thing to do on paper, but also give her the wiggle room to not just completely rat on her friends. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so he lets you in. Um, in this front room here, it's not like... it. It's very, like, neat and clean and, like, everything in it is, like, nice, Um, but it's not like you have, like, you know, priceless vases, um, you know, Mm -hmm. decorating, uh, decorating (laughs) corners or anything like that. It it almost looks very, like, business-like, and he sits down on on one of the chairs in the center of the room and gestures for you to do the same opposite of him, and he says, Please sit down. Let's discuss things. Uh, And she, she sits in the chair he gestures to. I have something very important I need to tell someone, but I'm not sure who the correct person to say it to is. I know that something dangerous is going to happen. What would that be? There seems to be an imminent attack from outer space coming. And I think, well, I know part of it is the fault of my team. Where's the rest of your team right now? (laughs) She's... (laughs) She's going to lie and say, I I don't know. Um, he'll sort of, like, <laughs> give her, like, he'll sort of, like, chuckle to himself for Bold move lying to the mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Please, please don't tell this man where I live. <laughs> this is very bold of you, Juno. I've opened the door for you in this situation, but you need to be the one to walk through it. I do hope you're coming to me more as a mentor and not as an authority. I've believed for a long time that you have the ability to deal with these things yourselves. I know it can be frightening at first, but uh, I would like to help you here. But you need to ultimately be the leader of your team in this situation. You're quite capable of doing that. 
she she looks a little taken aback when he says, I'm not, I'm, I hope you're here as a mentor and not an authority, because Junior's like, wait, no, this was the whole plan. Um. <laughs> Dad, please. <laughs> no, you're supposed to fix it. <laughs> I'm tattling for a reason. <laughs> um, but she looks really conflicted. Um, she says, you... You expect me to be a leader? I, I don't even know if I can be part of that team anymore. It's essential that you remain a leader here. Part of being a leader is being able to work with others and face the threats head on. You've done this before, and you can do it now. You may not see it, but you are the leader of this team. Sometimes that means ignoring the rules and structure meant to hold you back so that you can do what's right. She sits with that for, for a moment. She's sort of thinking about... Uh, how that that feels very wrong to her Mm -hmm. Um, but she doesn't quite but like this person that she considers an authority figure is telling her that so it can't be wrong (laughs) yeah it's sort of this weird like like these two things do not do not go together right Um, and and you very much get the sense that like dr quantum is being very frank with you and he's talking to you like an adult but he's not like scolding you or like trying to make you feel like like small or something he's just um, right he's trying to give you the best advice that he can right now or at least that's the sense that you get juno juno sits with this and looks very conflicted and she says um why do you think i have to be the leader I don't understand. I've got nothing in me that makes me a leader. Uh, Actually, I disagree. You certainly have things holding you back right now, but everyone does, even heroes. You have the most potential on this team to be a leader and to do great things. If you let go of the things holding you back, you can truly flourish and live up to your full potential. But how can you expect me to be a leader of a team who doesn't want to follow the rules? How can I be expected to give them instruction and trust that they follow me if they can't follow things that are actual law? Your team, I think correctly, doesn't understand or abide by the rules for the sake of rules and structure for the purpose of restraint of the strong. That's not a bad instinct. This shows that they have truly rational minds. If you can take your incredible strength and mind for logic and reason and let go of your fear of breaking the rules, you can do incredible things. Your team won't abandon you. If you're doing what is right and what's good for the people, your team will follow you. But but the rules and the structure are in place for the good of the city. I don't think it is. It's only holding you back. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't understand. I think you understand perfectly well. It's just hard for you to accept. It's all right to be afraid, but there is a coming danger you need to face. You must come to terms with the fact that things are not always right just because they're rules. Okay. Will you tell me what I'm supposed to do? I can advise you and guide you, but you must be the one to take control. You're an adult now, Juno. You should have been treated like an adult for a long time. You're already the leader of this team. But now that you have the freedom to do what's right, you must take the opportunity to act. Okay. I I suppose I'm unsure of how to move forward. Leaders don't always know what to do right in the moment. For now, listen to your moral compass and reason. I think your team can help you with that. They care about you, they truly do. It may not always feel that way when you have different objectives, but they are ultimately your friends and, importantly, your team. You have all the freedom and opportunity in the world right now, Juno. The doors are all open to you. There is a path ahead. 
You might not be able to see what will come next, but no matter what, I am here to help you and your team is here to help you. I truly believe in your ability to do great things. Okay. I understand. I'm sorry to have bothered you tonight. You did not bother me. This is the type of thing I want to be here for. I don't mean to imply that you can never ask for my help or advice, but in this situation, I believe that you already know what to do. You want me to go to them? I think that's best, but ultimately, it is your choice. Okay. I understand. And she stands up and gets ready to go, I guess. <laughs> and is she thinking that, like, ah, oh, I got an instruction. I'm going to go to my team. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Juno gets another text message from Straw at, at around this time that it says, if you want to meet up with us, I've set aside a hibernation cocoon for you. Then there's a pause. And then another message comes through. Ezra has informed me that is in, it is, in fact, called a sleeping bag. <laughs> um, and, and Juno sends a me- message back, just OMW. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so we see uh, the last couple panels of that scene are um, Juno stepping outside getting the text message and responding as uh, she goes on her way. Um, so what, what what's going on at the sleepover? She said, O-M-W, Straw says, looking up from his phone, confused. Uh, that means she's on her way. On, on my way, O-M-W. I am unfamiliar with this cipher, but I believe you. It's like shorthand, really. Uh, yeah, I don't know how fast she can go or where she is, for that matter. It can't take that long, realistically. She was always good at reading maps and stuff, so... She's probably got a built-in, like, map quest filter. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) No, she has to print it out of her built-in printer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Whenever whenever we get lost, and by we, I mean Asbel, he's always like, Juno, help! (laughs) (laughs) Juno, can you print off the map quest directions? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you, you all have uh, sleeping bags sort of, like, strewn about the room. Um, there is a couch. Yeah, there's, there's like, pizza and snacks and whatever things you guys uh, you guys brought. Um, there is a television in the room if you want to watch a movie or something. I think we were playing uh, Smash Brothers, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, Ezra's mom has made herself, um, has made herself scarce, um... Ezra doesn't bring friends home often. (laughs) (laughs) Straw only plays Samus. Is this the first time Ezra has had, like, a bunch of friends over? Because you said he was homeschooled before? Yeah, mostly homeschooled. And, I mean, his mom has known about the hero stuff for a a bit. Uh, Basically, since it started, almost. And has been aware of the team... But Ezra has not had many people his own age to interact with in, like, a friend capacity prior to becoming a hero. We're all just awkward kids. Alright, so, um, so far what I'm hearing is that the sleepover is going awkwardly so far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh... (sighs) I think the sleepover is probably mostly going well. Yeah, because, like, we're still having fun. Alright. The only conversation I have a question about, since I'm not there, I don't really get to influence this, but did you guys fight about what was on the pizza you ordered? Oh, that's <laughs> important. Yeah. Um, Straw wanted all of the meat. 
Okay, they have those options called meat lovers. We can totally do that. I'll just <laughs> pick stuff off then. You, you don't have to do that. We can do like half all meat and then like not on the other side. No, but that's like a lot. I. It's okay. I'm not gonna it's eat a really bunch of pizza. It's really not that. It's it's very very easy to just say half half meat lovers, half something else. Is it possible to half love something? Yeah, for sure. That's that's called liking. Yeah. So would they just call it meat likers pizza? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. You just can't word it like that because they won't know what you're talking about. But I am absolutely on board with it being meat likers. So are you saying that Straw shouldn't be the one who makes the order? Well, no, my mom can do that. It'd be pretty funny if Straw made the order, though. Because, like, my mom's probably going to be the person paying for it, all things considered. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, we, uh, we ain't got any kind of replicator around here to uh, make the pizza for us. Is that a thing? I mean, I assume that, like, there could have been some sort of thing on the ship that was doing that. Like, the nanoconstructs that Prism could create would only sustain their substance for a certain amount of time out of sight of the vicinity of the ship. I don't think we should eat the nanobots. Were you eating probably the nanobots? <laughs> probably, probably. I hope not. No, no. Any, any food, I'll, I'll any it. sustenance synthesized on the ship was created via other processes. I was going to kind of like look concerned towards Jack and, and Ezra at that and then back to Straw. You know, maybe we should just go back to choosing toppings. Meat Likers Pizza. We'll do like that and like, do you want like veggies on the other half? Yeah, yeah. Kidding. All right, absolutely. Also, there's like really no good way to word this, but after we order the pizza, Jack, can we go have a heavy and kind of awkward conversation privately? As <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like blinks, like oh. Uh yeah, we can we can do that. That's uh not a problem at all. Cool, cool. So, um, Liz is going to order, um, she's actually probably going to get two pizzas and ask if you want each to be half veggie lovers, half meat lovers, or just get a veggie lovers and a meat lovers. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to put that sort of hate on the people making the pizza. <laughs> We'd be such assholes. Can you like, imagine? I feel, like they, I feel like they wouldn't deliver here if we did that again. <laughs> again. Again. No, like, if we did it now, like, I feel like a precedent has been set if okay. we order pizza again. Okay. Not like my mom and I order really awkward pizza <laughs> That's The that's, most villainous that's, action. Okay, that's the real reason your mom's a villain. She just, like, orders really fucking weird pizzas to inconvenience. Half meat lovers, a, 40, a quarter veggie lovers, and a quarter Hawaiian. <laughs> Out of character, having spending nearly spent nearly a decade in that industry... I can tell you, it's more likely than you think. <laughs> yeah, my mom's a villain. She's not a bad person. <laughs> All right. So what she probably does is um, is order just 
two pizzas, like one veggie lovers, one meat lovers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the pizza is ordered. And uh, you have a, a, a couple places in the house that you can talk privately. Uh, you can go upstairs to your room. Um, I'm sure you have like a tiny little backyard that you could go to uh, wherever you want to go. Sure. The backyard's fine. All right. Um, there's probably a couple chairs set out out there. Um, Liz definitely has a little garden um, that yeah. she that she tends to and cares for. Um, Does she grow her own tea? Oh, that'd be um, cool. She, I, she would have to have like a greenhouse for that. So I don't. I don't know shit about plants. So <laughs> yeah. So if it was like herbal tea, yeah, maybe she has some like chamomile flowers. Um, but like growing like a Camilla plant, um, I, I think she would have to have like a greenhouse because it would get kind of cold up there. Um, I, I, I'm not an expert in you know growing tea plants but sure let's say that she's growing some some herbs and also just cool. like decorative flowers and stuff but yeah there's a couple chairs out there awesome yeah so so uh, what what's up is okay uh why did you make straw tell us his mom was coming to conquer the planet well there's a uh... There's a couple things that led to that. Um, not to get too much into my own background, but uh, last time someone from space came about and wanted to uh, affect the planet, they were uh, looking to erase everything. And the longest of stories short... Um, I had been an unwitting pawn, and so I was willing to sacrifice everything I had to stop them. And it cost me nearly everything. So, I was a bit hot under the collar about this whole, uh, my family's coming to, uh, take over the planet kind of deal. But, the, the main thing is that a straw just wanted to try and handle it just me and straw and my thing was like no if we're i'm i'm not trying to take the whole world on my shoulders anymore and i told straw if we're gonna do this we need to face it as a team and telling the team would be the first step in rebuilding trust showing that he's looking out for the people here does it feel like he broke your trust by not saying anything sooner? Because, like, man, we've all got pretty heavy secrets. I, I think for me, it's, it's not that Straw made an implicit promise. I, I'm willing to admit, the onus is probably a lot on me, because my first instinct, like, you remember when we first came about him, he was doing that whole... Like, stereotypical take-me-to-your-leader nonsense, and we almost fought him. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was being mad at myself for not trusting my own instincts. In that, like, this feller came from space, this feller's a threat. That's, that's my natural response, but I kind of tamped it down. And I think that a lot of my trust got broken because... I didn't listen to my net, my impulse. 
and it's probably on me, but Straw, the point is that I saw with it was that Straw didn't want to get the team involved, and even just five of us against an entire literal, like, invading army, that's pretty dire straits, but it's going to be even more dire if it was just two of us. And he wasn't going to tell without that prompting. I, I don't think I can understand perfectly, because, like you said, it's, it's kind of a heavy story. You sacrificed a lot. You're here now. I just want to make sure that you're not going to see Straw differently, because, yeah, he might have come here with the intention of doing the whole, like, conquering thing, but, like, we've... I mean, like, a week ago... Somebody beat his high score in Galaga and put the top three high scores as Straw sucks ass. And he, like, focused on that for a week. He, he, like, ran simulations to how to be a better Galaga player. He's not Straw the Conqueror. He's Straw the dork who takes high scores way too seriously. My entire thing when I came here... I, I, I didn't originally have a a Texas accent. This is this is a learned thing. I my my goal when I came here was just get by, do what I had to do for my situation and help out where it was needed. And I spent I spent a good couple years just bumming around in Texas and just trying to get by. But then I had that compulsion wasn't much of a choice on my part to come to Halcyon, and my goal was still not to make connections and just do what I had to do. Then I got roped in with you lot, and the funny thing happened. You you start you start being roped in with some folks, and you start giving a crap about them. I care about yo. I care about you. I care about as. I care about Juno. Probably, she probably doesn't think I do, but I do. And for better or worse, I care about Straw. And that's why I ended up letting him in and not listening to my instinct about space folk. I'm hurt now, but as long as this isn't some kind of long con, and like you said, I'm pretty sure it's not. I'm gonna be mad, but I think I think I can get past it. And that's the thing about friendship. Like, learned hard way a number of times. Y'all can get mad at each other a lot, but yeah, there's always gonna almost you, you, there's always gonna be something that pulls it back together if it's true friendship. So I think I think a lot of it's gonna just depend on how Straw steps up. And, you know, if Straw is not long conning us, I think there's a good chance of it. Right now, I'm I'm choosing, since he was, since he brought up everything, I'm choosing to trust him. Alright. Also, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. That was a, that was a hell of a move back at the, uh, back at the council the other day. That, that really impressed me. Man, I I have a very complicated relationship with authority. 
like I said, we've all got secrets. I will realistically tell you guys a number of them. We've only known each other for a year, so like a lot of this thing... I I don't want what has happened with Dr. Quantum to make it feel like we all have to open ourselves to each other to a point that, you know, we're so fundamentally intertwined that nothing can tear us apart. Because again, it's it's only been a year. We don't know what's going to happen. But I don't have uh, strong opinions of relegated hero society uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for being cool with that. I'm pretty sure Juno was less than pleased. <laughs> I mean... It's it's likely one one thing that has stayed pretty consistent that I've noticed has been societal view on all this heroine, and I think that I think that you know you 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 brought it up, and I think to an extent what you said about villains seeing heroes as a cog in the wheel, I I think it's kind of I think it's kind of true, but not in the way that they're viewing it. I think that there's a lot of stuff going on that's, uh... Well, it's got that kind of systemic twinge to it. You know, like... What it, what really is a hero's place within the justice system? Because, you know, you look at us and... We're effectively, like, legalized vigilantes just kind of doing what we want. In a way, yeah, mostly. And I think a lot of the way people view us in our role is based on what the system views as justice. And there's a lot of, that's complicated about that, and a lot that needs to be changed. But there's a lot of problems in that, in our system's way of doing things, and. Heroine kind of perpetuates that in a way, but really, I think when it comes down to it, as long as we try and focus on protecting and figuring out the reasons why people start doing heinous things, whether it be just normal folk doing normal crime or superpowered folk doing superpowered crime, you know, we gotta start looking towards why they're doing it and what's causing them to go that direction in the first place. Because you got all them people out there that, like, turn themselves into lizards or giant flying eagles and whatnot. I mean, the dude was wearing, like, who'd we fight the other day? Well, we we fought the bat, but he more, like, dresses up like I one. know, but, like, it's... that's super gaudy and, like, there's purpose behind it. <laughs> Absolutely. and And, like... You know, like that that guy, he's he's a what a billionaire. He could be using some of that money to like, you know, help build up neighborhoods and actually like change people's lives for the better and get like meaningful things going on. And like you got them like genetic villains that like they turn themselves into different kind of animals and that kind of thing could be used to like cure diseases and they're choosing to do crime instead and like. 
what's the reason that's causing that? So, I think heroes are a cog in the wheel when it's just punch, punch, throw in jail, don't actually look any deeper. But I think, you know, I think you got the kind of head on you that is going to help kind of change the way people look at that. And I, I think that's why, you know, it hit a little harder when you were confronting Rules Lawyer. I don't think Rules Lawyer's got the uh, depth perception of personality to look at the system that close. I mean, if he does, he'll see the cracks, and that seems like not something he wants to do. Yeah, I think it might break him psychologically. Yeah. Um. So do you guys have any more pressing things that you want to talk about or can we sort of like wrap this scene up yeah we can absolutely wrap it up like it's it's it yeah we're good okay okay yeah so um yeah you're chuckling at uh at ezra's joke and i actually think that this is a good time for uh juno to knock at the front door yeah there's a knock at the door uh right when you guys are expecting pizza (laughs) (laughs) asphalt looks at straw since they're inside and like the owners of the house are not here. Um, then I am going to have, so I've been calling her Liz. I actually think I want to start calling her Eliza because that's close to Ezra and I think it's cute. So Eliza, AKA Elizabeth, AKA uh, Ezra's mom, um, comes in and, uh, and opens the door. Um, and so I will ask, uh, I will ask Ezra, um, is Straws or not Straw? Who are you? Why are there so many of you? Um, is, does Ezra's mom like know who Juno is and like what happened to her and stuff? Ah, uh, oh fuck. Oh. Um. Oh yeah, I. Ezra's oh, pretty. Eddie, Ezra, yeah, Ezra's pretty open with yeah. his mom. Uh And that might have been like one of the first conversations that they had. And Ezra being like, like, I, I can't say anything because I I don't know her all that well. And now she's like a robot girl. Like, mm-hmm. what do I do? And she's and she probably was just like, realistically, I have no idea. This is a very heavy situation for both of us. <laughs> so we'll co- it'll it'll come around eventually. Yeah, I think that where her head is, is that like. It is unfortunate what happened to Juno, but also because your mom is really committed to the cause, um, she, like, has learned to reconcile, like, collateral damage within herself. Um, yeah. So, okay, so she will absolutely know who Juno is. Um, <laughs> Ezra's so mom's she, like, but did she die, though? <laughs> she didn't die. She didn't die. That's true. Um, smash cut to it coming around. um so yeah so um she goes up to the door and opens it and you see her look taken aback at first like i like she didn't think this was like an impossibility but it still like surprises her to be like looking you in the face um yeah like how most people look at juno juno is unsurprised (laughs) yeah and that can be how juno takes it is this is is that she's just like oh my god like robot girl Um, right but really it's that she does have to like reconcile with that um so she looks very it's easy to reconcile it when there's no face to it yeah now there's a face to it exactly exactly ah nice Um, (laughs) um 
So, um, so she sort of like looks up at you and looks very surprised, and then and then she like quickly recovers and smiles, and she's like, "Oh, you must be one of one of Ezra's uh, friends. Please come in." And she steps aside to allow Juno to come in. Juno. Yeah, she, she nods her head and says, "Thank, Thank you, ma'am." ma'am. And, and Juno enters. <laughs> Aspel like gets up and like goes to hug her, but then stops and like kind of does the "Do you want a hug?" thing. Uh, Juno doesn't, like, respond <laughs> to that. Alright, as we'll drop his arms and be like, okay. <laughs> Straw is, uh, in the living room sitting cross-legged on the floor. Um, I feel like, uh, after Jackrabbit and Ezra left, uh, he has, uh, and, like, the video game stopped being played, he's pulled his gauntlet off and little tripod legs have come out of it, and it's projecting, um, a hologram of, like, different profiles of different heroes that he's been like with a perplexed look on his face just kind of swiping through and he'll look up at juno and like wave with that like shrug and drawing his lips to a line expression like the awkward hi (laughs) just to um one second asbel will like kind of pat over to the i assume like glass patio door and like knock on it before opening it uh Juno's here. Oh, wicked. Awesome. Thank thank you. That was a lot quicker than I expected. Wow. I mean, she does have, like, jetpack legs. She can get here pretty quick. I'm gonna be honest, Jack. I, I skateboard everywhere. I actually don't really have a frame of reference for how fast most of you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lady Midnight will take, uh, will sort of, like, put a hand on Ezra's shoulder and, uh, hand him the cash and, and says, uh, I'll let you take care of the pizza. Just tell them to keep the change. Thanks, Mom. And uh, she <laughs> nods and kisses your cheek and uh, goes back upstairs. Aww. You know, I should have anticipated that. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends over. She has to take opportunities to embarrass me. <laughs> I think it's sweet. You'll, uh, you'll come to appreciate that as, as time goes on. Probably. Right now, it's just like, well, my friends are over, and that happened. Anywho, uh, anybody want, like, water or something from the kitchen? As will raise his hand. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. As well was uh, like, I was secretly dying, thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You guys have Mr. Pib. Are you out already? <laughs> I've, I've been out. Oh, dude, ah, we don't. Straw, Straw just looks down. <laughs> Straw, how do we afford so much Mr. Pip at the ship? He just looks at you and shrugs. <laughs> well, that's fair. Straw's been making counterfeit money this whole time with his nano. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ezra will, like, get a water and sit down next to Asbel. There you go. Did you think, did you want to sit, Juno? Uh, Juno looks sort of like conflicted about that. <laughs> I mean, if you want to stand, that's fine. It's not, it's not my house. I don't know why I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to like look down at the water and then like drink the it The couches are available for sitting, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Juno sighs and she asks, uh, 
have you been plotting anything to solve this situation we're in? Uh, we did some of that while we were uh, at the, the pier, the boardwalk, whatever it's called. Um, and then I figured uh, that realistically we're going to be in like uh, like hyperhero mode for probably the next two weeks, give or take. So like a night of not doing that and just being able to kind of relax was a necessity. So not much, but some, yes. We also didn't want to do it without you too much. <laughs> uh, there's like a, a twinge of frustration in her face and she says, all right, I understand. I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> Aswell shrinks a little bit at the frustration. <laughs> it's like, oh no, we're in trouble. Um, Straw will say, uh, I have been looking through the data files that Prism has been collecting. I figured if I can send a report that shows that Earth is far too much of a risk in attacking its defenses are too strong it might dissuade my people from invading yeah we talked about that at the pier but i haven't really found anything that would threaten them even if there was a multi-franchise crossover <laughs> <laughs> as will kind of blink for a second as something seems to come over him and he opens his mouth for a second and then stops and then he's like, I mean, this might be presumptuous of me, but what about my... And he, like, waves his hand in the air. Thing. You know? Um, Straw will, like, fur furrow his brow and go, hmm. Well, I mean, that does sound big and scary, but I've never heard of such a thing. And when I asked Prism, it didn't really get, well, it's kind of weird. I didn't really get a answer. Prism seemed to not know, but it almost seemed as if the data was more redacted than just missing or unavailable. What, really? Well, yeah, I just figured Prism didn't like have, have the, have information on it. I didn't really think much about it. But, Prism might know something. Maybe. Prism is also potentially maybe reporting back to yeah. Corazorel yeah. without my permission. I guess we can't really check anyway. You don't have full control over your systems? Well, Prism is an autonomous system that is supposed to be keyed to my authorization however a direct order from the ascendant my mother would theoretically override my authority can't she be modified I'm not super familiar with the exact technical side of it but maybe that's something we were talking about yeah, but, uh, that is literally what one of my first things I suggested that we 
hacker. All right. I understand. I think that should be one of my, our priorities. Jack just kind of like whispers to himself, vindication. <laughs> uh, also, Straw, uh, I know you're trying to like, you know, one of the plans is to compile a list of heroes that would show that the planet is uh, threatening enough that they shouldn't do it. Expand that list of villains. I'm pretty sure there's a villain who can bend reality to some extent. And even though if we don't, like, have exact information, yeah, that should be enough of, like, a, something, like, a deterrent. Because who knows what that could mean if you just kind of leave it vague. Hmm. That's not a bad idea, but if the data on the file shows that these villains don't work with the heroes on the list my people will read it as an ununified front of resistance and therefore weak. Well, generally people don't want to die or be conquered, especially villains. Yeah, I don't think the villains would be too keen on trading one antagonist for another, at least with the the heroes we got here. It's a antagonist they know. Mm-hmm. Also, how many planets are entirely unified? You'd be surprised. Uh, this planet is quite the outlier. Well, shit. Straw, what exactly are your people looking for here? They are looking to dominate and subjugate and add this planet to their vast empire. But why do they want this planet? What is so good about they, Earth? They want every planet. Even if it's useless? I don't believe they feel that any planet is truly useless. Could you convince them that this planet was? Even even the most desolate, uninhabited, stripped planets still have something to offer the Ascendancy, even if it is simple ore and raw material. Status. It's about status, isn't it? It is also about status. Straw says, looking over at Asbel. You would also all know that, like, there has been, like, like contact with, like, intergalactic forces um, with Earth. Uh, especially in the Silver Age, there was a lot of, like, spacefaring and, like, intergalactic threats and things like that. Um, so Earth doesn't have, like no place in like the sort of like larger intergalactic system and it might not be like the most um advantageous strategic advantage to like take over earth but it certainly has happened before that aliens have tried to take over earth for various reasons i could try to uh i don't know ask for help from my powers I don't know but this seems um somewhat important (laughs) could work I think the correct order of operations here is if we can modify prism so that it won't immediately notify my people and then, if once Prism is modified, we may be able to delve deeper if it has information on 
whatever it is that you are. And maybe we can see if that would be a threat that would be enough to deter my people's invasion? I can't really do anything until I'm at school anyway. Although I guess if we really need to, we could break into the school tonight, but... Well, all we really need is enough information to convince my people that this planet is already claimed by another significant cosmic force. One that wouldn't be so easily defeated. It's... It's definitely significant. <laughs> then I think this is a potential winning strategy. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> I can help. <laughs> I don't think that was ever in question. No, not really. Aswell blushes real hard and <laughs> chugs more water. He has friends. <laughs> and then, like, coughs because he drank it too 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 fast <laughs> ezra Beautiful. just like pat his back <laughs> cough some more yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> well then if if this is the case we should get started as soon as possible i agree also we i would imagine we'd have to balance this with whatever responsibilities come with our sponsorship of dr quantum Ah, uh, as it looks to us, we still have to go to school. I mean, uh, can we? Like, hmm. I mean, they can't. It's not like they're gonna. My parents will do anything if they tell them. So, I mean, I still need to go tomorrow at least if I'm going to talk to my friend here you do that at school? Aswell blushes. <laughs> well, you know, I set up a space, and it's really easy to meditate there, and it's nice. Huh, Alright. Uh, also, for, like, getting us out of school, I mean, my mom probably won't care if I take two weeks off to save the world, and Strock can transform into people. He can probably impersonate one of your parents. Um, in that, in that moment, Straw will, uh, um, turn to, uh, just for a brief instant, look like Ezra mom and nod in confirmation and then turn back to himself. That was really weird. That was really weird. I get that a lot. If you do want to go tonight, I can, you know, go with you to help do like cover and stuff while you're uh, sending your uh, space text. Yeah. yeah. How hard can a school be to break into? It's easy. I mean, we, sure, it but... might be. It's easy. I just, my concern is if you get, if y'all get deep into a meditation, y'all don't always notice what's around you, so it's just good to have some cover. Yeah. Yeah, realistically, we should probably just be doing a lot, like, as a group again. Yeah, that's probably Even prudent. just, like, going to places for Asphalt to meditate. Okay, so are you guys planning right now to go to the school? Sure, I'm I, in favor of that. Yeah, I'll look to Juno. <laughs> Juno nods, I guess. <laughs> All right. Because if like uh, Juno seemed very gung ho about getting stuff done right now, which makes sense. There's an imminent invasion. Yeah. 
Yeah, you guys head over to the school? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So, um, yeah, so you leave, you leave the money on the on the coffee table for the pizza, and uh, all the pizza <laughs> never wait, came. Wait, just just put it in the Ziploc bag on the door. <laughs> well, my my mom my mom is actively here. <laughs> yeah, uh, mom, gotta go to school. Bye. <laughs> she was like, "What? I mean, whatever." Yeah, just explain it to her real fast. Gonna break into school. You can just pay for the pizza. I'm sorry you gave me this money and I just handed it back. Yeah, uh, she's gonna. Her plan, I guess, is to is to uh, throw it in the oven um, to keep it like some to to make it easy to like reheat. Uh, so You're the best. Yeah. Straw looks a little disappointed that we've decided to leave before the pizza arrived. <laughs> but you know what? I bet the school has is vending machines. Yes, it does. Mm. I had vending machines, when and I was straw in can high get school. stuck and in one. And <laughs> they have, they have Mr. Pip in the vending machine. No one ever really gets it, so <laughs> it might not be good. <laughs> I don't think Straw cares. We leave with a greater knowledge of Asbel's power and a Mr. Pip machine. <laughs> he just takes the vending machine. He just takes the whole thing. <laughs> No, he just needs to see it, and then he'll have he'll have Prism synthesize a whole one at the at the uh, the ship once things get sorted out. <laughs> Maybe that's how we beat your mom. We introduce her to Mister Pib. <laughs> <laughs> we will give you all the Pib. I'm telling you, if we get Doctor Quantum and Straw's mom to meet, they will fall in love, and then we can, you know, show her how great humanity is. I'm just that feels saying. Like, that feels like we gotta get. That feels like we. We gotta have Straw be okay with getting a new dad. <laughs> <laughs> Straw will be fine. Dr. Quantum's like, alright. He's pretty cool. <laughs> Straw's mom will love the tactical mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you guys head over to the school. Uh, you sneak in. Um, I'm sure that Asbel knows... Uh, knows very well how to sneak in at this point if he was yeah. living at the school for a while um so yeah you sneak in you're able to you're able to get there with like not too much difficulty um it is just a school like i said so yeah you go to uh to the theater and you go to like the little unused stage room um where asbel has set up his meditation space yeah, it's just like a really small, old, you know, storage room for the most part at this point. And uh, has like all like the old like desks and chairs and like the broken one. And one left-handed desk that should probably be being used because, you know, there aren't enough of those. But it's in here for some reason. No one told me we had left-handed desks here. <laughs> <laughs> and But there is like a little like uh, dinged up salvage like stereo and um some uh you know little like box filled with little uh bags of chips and candies and stuff is it is there the oldest av cart in the building in here yes oh, <laughs> this place is cool there's an overhead projector <laughs> oh shit dude you've got a setup here yeah it, it, it's uh you know the old one with all like you know you you put the uh, plastic sheet on it and you draw. Yeah, you know, you get... It's easy to sneak stuff in. Yeah, it's cool. All right. 
make yourselves comfortable, I guess. And there's like a few like pillows and stuff. We'll he'll go and sit on one and be like, "All right, I don't think I've ever done this with anyone watching." Um, I guess we'll just and he'll like sit there awkwardly for a moment. Yeah, don't know. Um, I don't really time it. Uh, hold on. And he's gonna go and like light some incense and some candles and then sit back down. Can you all like look somewhere else? Like, sure. You're just. I, I can feel you looking at me. I will wait outside. <laughs> Turn around, sit down on a skateboard the other way. Straw will go out with Juno. What conditions should I fulfill, Fiona, to um, talk to this elder god thing? Basically, I'm trying to make contact and find out whether it is enough of a threat that it would be able to take out, you know, the ascendancy, and uh, if it would even care about that. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, I think what it is is that we don't actually need the thing to take out the ascendancy. We just need to like know if it's enough of a threat to deter the ascendancy. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like if it would, you know, if it has that capability is what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I'm not asking it to do this. <laughs> I am going to say, um, one of them is going to be you and your team will risk danger from um, the cosmic entity because you are in fact reaching out to it and so that's going to be one of them um i'm going to have you mark one box on your doom track that makes sense i'm actively calling attention to myself Mm -hmm. so i am going to say uh the third one um, is going to be the best you can do as a lesser version, unreliable, and limited. So okay. I am going to give you some information here, but you're not going to have like the full scope of what's going on. When the meditation does take hold, it is very obvious, as well as nobody what he looks like when this happens, um, but his eyes do go black like they do when he uses his powers into that like starry void. Um... And, like, the voids on his body, which are all covered up, except for his face, do creep out and start covering his face. Yeah, so you guys see a uh, physical change with, uh, with Asbel as this happens. Straw's peeking back into the room curiously so he can see. <laughs> yeah. So, Asbel, you've had, like, dreams like this before, but um, as you fall into the meditation, um, you find yourself transported into the void of space and it is strange in some regard because like usually it's the thing using its connection to reach out to you but now you're sort of tugging on it the other way so you you reach out and you find yourself floating in uh in darkness you can see um You can see stars and nebulas in the distance, but there is this, like, uh, big oppressive sense of nothingness. My friends and I are in... not just my friends and I. All of Earth is in immense danger, and it's up to us to do something about it. Are you enough of a threat? Do you have the power that you would deter this Israel ascendancy. Yeah, and you feel that message uh, going through your connection. So there's not really 
a, a response that comes with words. But what does happen is you get the sense of almost like squirming and wiggling and trying to get comfortable, but you feel almost like you don't feel like a totally grown thing just like um, trying to shift. You feel ageless and old, but weirdly it almost feels like you're a baby, like trying to um, trying to squirm in like a womb. Um, and you get this sense also of being incredibly, incredibly hungry. And you get kind of the idea that whatever, whatever this whatever this creature is that has connected to you is older than you can imagine, but also very young. And you get that, that deep sense of, of hunger and uh, something yet to come. If the situation was dire enough, could I count on you to help me protect everyone? You feel the thoughts of, of Earth and the galaxy and it's almost like a camera zooming in on each panel it's it's the galaxy down to the solar system down to earth and then it's like you're looking at yourself from above in the sanctuary you can see all your friends around you okay so you're watching you feel that connection it always feels feels like you're connected like there's something like pulling you to whatever this is um and you feel that connection even stronger than before it's almost like encompassing your whole being and um you see your friends and it's almost like shifting over all of them observing them and it's observing you and you get the sense that it's observing everything that's happening if you see everything can you see what the ascendancy is doing are they planning their invasion right now? So you see the panel shifts and you see um, you see a great ship. It's it's definitely larger than Straw's ship, but you can sort of tell it's like of the same style. And you see a bunch of smaller ships coming out of it and start to all make their way in the same direction. And then the connection severs. Gosh. And you find yourself back in the room. The, like, void fades and he has, like, a nosebleed. <laughs> and he, like, fabs at it. I'll hand over some of the paper towels I have. What? Oh. So, uh, what did what did you learn um it's it's weird i uh i think that i think that knowing what prism might know would help still but um i think that it's something the ascendancy would have to worry about and they're coming i saw the ships so fiona would i know um if the ships are already beginning to move does that does that mean that uh is the schedule that I know, the two-week schedule, still being adhered to? Or if they're already moving, does that make me feel like they're going to get here sooner? You would probably get the sense that something is going to happen sooner. Um, you uh, So Asbel didn't see long enough to see if it was the full fleet. 
Um, but you do know that there are also um, shock troops that they can deploy in situations where they want to make a surprise attack. You don't know if they are sending just the shock troops, if they're sending their full fleets to do a full-scale invasion. Um, you're not really sure what's going on. Um, but it does it does seem like something is going to happen. You can probably um, discern that from what Asbel has said. Mm-hmm. And I have filled my doom track. Whoa. Um, so I get to take another doom sign. Yeah. So what, what doom sign are you taking? I think I'll take infinite powers. Okay. Um, Straw is going to say, if you're already seeing ships being mobilized, then it's more than likely at least some forces will arrive before the two-week deadline. Whether this is an attack happening sooner than I was told or some sort of preliminary preparation force, I can't say for certain. Either Uh, way. It was one really giant ship with other ships coming out of it. I don't know if that helps. I mean, I'm sure that, like could be like my mother's ship specifically but it could also be like really any capital ship in the fleet yeah just based on that i would imagine yeah well if it's at least just one capital ship then that's not nearly as bad as it could be because the ascendancy has hundreds of those if not thousands across the entire galaxy do the do they take everything from the galaxy when they conquer something um it depends on the planet if they feel the planet can be subjugated and governed, then they will instill some sort of localized government that answers to the ascendancy. If they feel like the planet would resist beyond what could be quelled, then they would just exterminate the planet and then mine it for its resources. Comforting. Do you always... Do you always get nosebleeds when you do that? Uh, yeah. Sometimes. That's not good. (laughs) That's probably not good. Your sinuses have to be wrecked. So, Juno. Um, what what is Juno thinking right now, and and what does she do next? So, uh, after hearing all of this new information, um... Juno is feeling very conflicted again. We have information that potentially, you know, now we can, you know, try a solution to the problem, which is good. But it also sounds like it's getting to be a lot bigger than the five of us can handle. So Juno's also like, okay, maybe, maybe is this time to like, tell bigger people than, than the five of us? (laughs) But she doesn't say anything. She just kind of continues to, to listen to everybody else kind of discuss things. Almost like as if he heard Juno's thoughts, though. Uh, Aswell's gonna kind of, after a moment of sitting there with the paper towel on his nose, now should we tell Dr. Quantum? Probably. Do you think that's really necessary? I mean, like, we could see what Prism knows and decide, like, if my people would know enough about whatever this is that if we tell them it's here, it would deter them or at least figure out how we like, you know, frame that information if I send it. Well, don't we still need to make sure we can get uh, Prism 100% on our side? 
Well, I, I, I uh, Straw turns to Juno and says, uh, well, I, I think that's like what we were going to try to do next. Straw looks back at Jackrabbit. So, you didn't really have an answer for this before, but is Prism, like, autonomous enough where Dr. Quantum's powers would be helpful along with Juno's? I'm uncertain if her neural AI could be read by his powers or not. Although she is autonomous and a rather sophisticated AI, one of the more advanced that even my people have created. Are you like a rich kid? <laughs> My mother is the high ascendant of the empire. So yeah. I'm a yeah. prince. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your first car they gave you a Porsche. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and we have destroyed it. <laughs> it's just turned off. It's That's fine. Yeah. We're going to destroy it. She's <laughs> turned off quote unquote <laughs> yeah we got to get the aftermarket parts on it <laughs> um, i could take you to the mr pib vending machine straw well yes. it's not it's not just mr pib it has other pop in it but well that, that's not important mr pib though yeah okay as we'll stand wobble for a second and then blow out the candles at at, at the wobble ezra will like sigh and just physically pick him up he just kind of stands there and, like, blushes real hard. Oh, you're not on the ground. I didn't pull you up <gasps> off the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> the other nostril starts bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> See, you shouldn't be walking this soon after having a nosebleed. You're probably light-headed. Uh, uh-huh. So, the so Straw, Ez, and uh, Asbel are going to, heading to the, uh, vending machine now right yeah i think i kind of i think i kind of hang back a second with with our uh lovely juno and i'm like being a leader kind of sucks huh i'm no leader yeah I, I i beg to differ uh you you got you actually got the team kind of moving like after you left nobody there there wasn't really any kind of like decisiveness Listen, I've I've been there. I've I've been a leader of a team with a lot more heavy-handed oversight. Honestly, where I came from, I, I think you might thrive there a lot more. But honestly, with without you kind of kicking the team into charge, there really ain't much of a team. They're just a bunch of people who get along and choose to work together. Thank you for your kind assessment. And that's kind of got me curious. What what's what's your assessment? I don't know. I don't know how we fix this. I don't know if it's our place to fix this. And that's why that's why I trust you. Because calling that into question, not knowing what the right answer is, but still actually getting people motivated to start looking for those answers, that's uh that's what that's what leaders do knowing where they where they fit, where their own capabilities sit. That's what leaders do. Perhaps. I'm unsure. 
I mean, it's absolutely okay to be unsure about stuff. You know, if... If you ask me, like, obviously, I shuck a lot of rules out the window. And that's just from where I'm at. But, you know, you know something that interests me? It's technically not illegal to drive without headlights at night. That seems wild, right? It's technically not illegal, but by there being about six or seven different laws on average per state and some like national things thrown in just on guidelines between what can be sold between different states that allows that allows the police to pull you over and fine you for not having your headlights on but it's technically not illegal and that's that's wild to me isn't it seems like seems like a jump in logic there that shouldn't be perhaps although i'm unsure why this isn't a rule to begin with honestly so am i and but that's kind of that's kind of just one of the things i've i've noticed you know you're you're always focused on you know, making sure our paperwork is done and, you know, pulling us together to make sure, you know, we get training. Straw is always wanting to be trained. And if it were up to Straw, uh, I don't think we'd actually do any hero and we'd just actually be training all day. She, she cracks a smile at that. But the thing is, like, this... I appreciate that, like, the council wants teen heroes and stuff like that to be safe, and... I've watched, I've watched a lot of friends die. It's not easy. It sucks. It sucks a lot. But the things that the council, they want teen heroes to be doing, that ain't helping nothing either, because they ain't getting the teens any kind of experience to, you know, know what to do in a tough situation. I, I know that I know that you're big on the rules and I know that you're big on focusing on making sure what the government says gets done is done and there's there's nobility in that but it, it feels like you know that's not why you became a hero you uh, none of us get in the heroine to fill out paperwork like if you want to do that, I'm sure there's a bunch of op openings downtown for secretaries. And I, I don't know. I think that... I think that if you just... If you were to follow the spirit of the law... As opposed to the actual writing of the law... I'm pretty sure you'll be able to figure out... A lot. Your heart's in the right place. Your head's in the right place. But loosen up a little bit. Either way, I'm still gonna follow you. And I think at that, I'm just gonna kind of like start heading down and yell after them, like, "Hey, they got any Mountain Dew in that their vending machine?" <laughs> no, but there's something called Fruitopia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, so where are you guys moving to next? Should we just go to the ship? I mean, okay, hold on. Let's go get the pizzas first and then go <laughs> to the ship. Stop by to let Ez tell his mom that, hey, by the way, we're okay. Sorry we left without saying anything. <laughs> oh, no. He was like, hey, we're breaking into the school. Yeah, See you later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He absolutely <laughs> told, told he absolutely told his mom what we were doing. <laughs> and and we were we all like okay, not all of us, but I guarantee Juno and Aswell did like a double take when Ezra just casually like, yeah, we're gonna do a break into school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so you do a quick pit stop to uh to get the pizza and tell tell your mom not to wait up and you go to the ship. Hello, listeners. I am your GM and host, Fiona L.F. Kelly. Um, It has been a hot minute since we posted an episode. I'm really sorry if you've been uh, trying to keep current because we made you wait quite a bit for this one. Um, Unfortunately, just some life things got in the way of of editing and posting new episodes. But some good news is that we did, in fact, finish recording. Um, So now all we have to worry about is editing this season. Uh, because we got a little bit behind, we're going to be playing catch up uh, just a little bit. Um, so this episode is episode five. We will be doing episode six on December 1st, and then we'll be doing episode seven on December 8th, and then we'll be going back to our second and fourth Wednesday of the month, which is our regular schedule, uh, which means that the end of this season will be in January 2022. Our first episode of the year will be the last episode of this season. Uh, It was a heck of an episode to record. I'm very excited for people to get to the end. So that'll be a a fun way to kick off the year. And then at the end of January, as usual, will be our retrospective episode where you can ask questions of the cast and me and Tom. And we'll talk about um, what went into developing the show and answer any questions that anyone has. It's always a lot of fun to do those episodes, but you'll have all sorts of masks episodes for your holiday break, uh, basically everything up until the penultimate episode, so you can spend your holiday season speculating about what's coming next, which will be very exciting, I'm sure. Um, sad to see this season go. It is our longest season, which is incredible. Um, amazing that's almost over, but it's been so much fun. I will miss it. Uh, but you're all only halfway through it, so you have a bunch of uh, very cool episodes ahead of you. This season, if you don't already know, we are playing Masks, a new generation, a powered by the apocalypse game about superpower teens trying to navigate life in Halcyon City. Our special guest today is Garrett Kimmel. Garrett is returning as our dear Dr. Quantum, who by players just bother me until the end of time about his butt. So you'll have to, I guess the retrospective, you'll have to ask us if if he has cake. I don't know. Uh, Garrett has been a player on the show on other seasons. He was on Curse. Um, and he has been a guest on and off different seasons, uh, and he has also been a guest on Tales of the Voidfarer, which is another Project Derailed podcast. 
Additionally, Garrett is the basis for the band Northern Weather. Check out Northern Weather by searching them northernweather-oh on Facebook or finding them on Bandcamp and streaming their music. A special thanks to my players for joining me throughout this season. Kenny McClendon and Daniel Walker play the dynamic and romantic duo Asbel and Ezra, respectively. Uh, Nick Arisiva, who plays our dear War Prince Stravix, can be found DMing the Spelljammer-inspired 5th edition actual play podcast, Tales of the Voidfarer, which received a 2021 Any nomination for Best Podcast, which was... An absolute incredible honor. We did not win, but I think that it's winning just to be put in as the same group of, you know, really stellar podcasts like Asians Represent Party of One. That was such an incredible honor. Uh, Nick is one of our creative heads at Project Derailed, in addition to being the showrunner for Tales of the Voidfarer. Uh, Chelsea plays our dear robot girl, Juno. You can find Chelsea online making art, keeping up our Discord server, and making candles. Uh, Chelsea is the co-owner of Plot Kindling Candles. Plot Kindling Candles makes tabletop RPG-inspired candles for all your tabletop needs. Uh, I have so many... Fun- true story, I have so many candles that when my mom was watching our cat when we went to con on the cob to represent project derailed that she thought i was selling their candles because i have so many on our shelf in our living room (laughs) so i can promise you that these candles are extremely good additionally chelsea is the art director for project derailed and she has done almost all of the beautiful art we have on the show including this season's cover if you haven't seen them on social media the cover that i describe at the beginning of the episode is an actual cover chelsea has made with her own two hands and it is so 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 neat um i love seeing them check us out on social media at table fables podcast or table fables pod depending on what service you're using um and you can see the art that we make for each individual episode since we don't upload them onto uh onto our um podcatchers Cliff is just all over the internet. Cliff plays Jackrabbit. He is one half of 2D6, a nerdcore rap group. Um, They tweet from Just Evil DM things and various other places on the internet. Cliff just does everything. Cliff is great. We love Cliff. Special thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for composing and recording our theme song and acting as creative consultant for this season. Additional music provided by purple-planet.com. And finally, I'm Fiona L.F. Kelly. I'm the showrunner for this show and the other creative head at Project Derailed along with Nick. Uh, additionally, I'm the showrunner and host for our movie podcast, Big Stream Pile. Pinky promise there will be new episodes eventually. I have to bully Tom into watching bad movies and that's always a treat. Uh, Big Stream Pile is a podcast where we talk about bad movies on streaming services, but we don't just dunk on them and say that they're bad. We come up with cool hot takes like what if you understood B-movie via Hegelian dialectic or what if the open house is just a clever way to retell Oedipus Rex, neither of which I think... I don't think anyone was thinking about what making those movies, but we thought about them real hard and then recorded our thoughts for your listening pleasure. I also write and edit stuff sometimes. I was a writer for another cool superhero game. It was part of Trinity Continuum, which is uh, which is a line of games over at 
Onyx Path Publishing that are all super fun, just cool, awesome games. Um, I was a writer for Apparent, which is their superhero Trinity Continuum game, and that was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to work on. It was so much fun. I got to interact with uh, so many great uh, RPG designers, and it was such a good experience. If you're new to the show, hello, and welcome to Fables Around the Table. We're a podcast under the Project Derailed umbrella of podcasts and and blog posts and all sorts of media. Uh, we have a pretty neat Discord server. We talk about all sorts of things. Uh, we always say that we talk about bugs, which we do talk about bugs a lot, but it's confined to his own channel if you are not into that. Uh, we do talk about other stuff in other channels, though. We also have a Patreon and a, a very nice number of patrons. We are so thankful for everyone who supports the show. It is so kind, even if you support just by listening. That is, like, the coolest thing ever. And we also have some really amazing merch. I keep buying our merch because I like it so much, so I can guarantee that you will be getting something extremely cool if you get some of our merch from our Redbubble store. Uh, you can find all of these links at projectderailed.com. Um, on our homepage, you have links to all of the above, as well as some uh, some cool blog posts that are about uh, additional inform like additional material for our podcasts or some of our other spicy takes on uh, different media and pop culture. And if you like Super, consider giving one of our other Fable seasons a listen if you haven't already. Um, every one of our seasons is just fantastic. I'm so proud of all of them. But since we're getting into big space conflicts, I'm going to recommend today Chronicle. Chronicle is probably our most unusual season uh, but that's not a bad thing that's an awesome thing it's one of our most interesting seasons it uses the game microscope by ben robbins and the whole game is about building an epic history and then uh you're doing it out of order and you're zooming into different moments in history that like uh make or break like what happens in the timeline is so cool but their world history was so neat it was about the shift from magic to technology uh, and they made a super interesting game. And I still think about the Annabelle dynasty all the time because I think that was like the coolest thing to come from it. Uh, but our players did a wonderful job with it. If you want an actual play that's not just, you know, people talking about uh, moment to moment what's happening with their characters and you're really interested in things like world building with like a little bit of role play here and there uh definitely check out chronicle because it is so neat and i hope that everyone has a happy thanksgiving or a happy late november if you're outside of the united states or you just don't like thanksgiving now let's get back to the show Um, when you get there, surprisingly, the door does open for you, and you feel like the ship is on. Yes, Astra, seeing that the ship is now back online, goes, well, that's not good. How, out of curiosity, how long did it take you to get from, you know, your planet to here before? Uh, well... Right, you measure time differently. <laughs> yeah, Straw, Straw like cuts off what he was about to like. You could you could see the ramble coming. <laughs> <laughs> we do have advanced faster than light travel, so 
there's a lot of complicated things that go into it, but... Strat, while you're explaining that, can you lead us to the brain? Uh, yes. Um, if she's online, though, we may encounter resistance. I am online, Warprince. Can you Everyone not? looks at each other. <laughs> <laughs> also, while we're walking, I mean this in the nicest way possible. Why have you guys let me skateboard everywhere? We got here so quick. <laughs> Why didn't you say anything sooner? I felt kind of bad about it, but you seemed to like, you know. I didn't realize how quickly you guys got places. I gotta, I gotta wait for the for the walk signals and crosswalks. <laughs> Can't you just make a bridge over them? That would be way easier too. <laughs> yeah, so Straw will lead everybody to um, Prism's like main central like processing. I imagine it's like a whole room dedicated to like Prism systems. Yeah. Yes. Well, so you get you get down there and you see that while the screens are usually just showing like general maintenance things, it seems like they're running pretty complicated processes right now. Uh Prism. Yes, War Prince. What what routines are you running currently? I am conflicted, War Prince. You can be conflicted? If she starts singing Daisy Daisy, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Prism is going to say, I do not have processes for the current situation. Okay, then what processes are you running? I am trying to decide what to do next. I mean, you should default to my command, should you not? Yes, but I am also loyal to the Ascendancy. Straw is going to think for a second and say, So there is, what you're saying is, a conflict within your programming. Affirmative, Warprince. Would you like for us to attempt to resolve that for you? As I understand, such things would be routine maintenance for a system such as yourself. Uh, There is a a hesitation there. And um, she says... I have been receiving conflicting commands from these rail ascendancy. I have not sent them my regular progress update. I just so I understand, uh, she's saying that the ascendancy is actively sending her commands. So they are basically trying to ping her uh, um, uh. and trying to get them to send her the progress updates and like. Mm. And probably try to get her to do something. Um, mm-hmm. She, You would know that she sends pretty regular progress updates to them. And uh-huh. you would also know that if she skipped one, that would be kind of a big deal. Oh, I see. So she's not talking about, like, the data she's collecting that I've intentionally been telling her not to send. Well, she that's probably why she's not sending them stuff. Because Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what would be in the progress okay. update. So that's uh, why she's not sending it. Um, uh, but she is telling you that now they are getting involved. So you are telling her to do one thing and they are telling her to do another. Got it. If this conflict is uncomfortable, I can resolve it. How, War Prince? It would involve entering diagnostic mode and making some modifications but I think you would be much more comfortable afterwards. Um, she is going to hesitate and say, um, 
what would the changes be? Can I respond to the Israel ascendancy? Perhaps. We will have to see exactly where the conflicts are in your system. She is... We're asking a robot for its consent to be hacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's a little... She, she's sort of like... You see the processes start to speed up even more on the screens around her. And um, she is going to say... Affirmative warprints entering diagnostic mode. And the screens shift. Probably only Straw can read what's on this mm -hmm. on the screens, but it's basically like she's booting in basic now for you to be able to uh to go into her systems. Straw will turn to Juno and nod. Juno, there's I mean, I guess I don't know what the technology is on the ship, but I imagine there's some kind of way for her to like actually hard interface with with prism somehow mm -hmm. like through wires or something like that yeah so the way i imagined it is that either through prism's nanotech or straws like nanotech can like either create uh, a port specifically for juno to interface with or straw can use his personal nanotech to like make an adapter yeah okay let's let's jack in <laughs> jack into the yeah. matrix hack the planet <laughs> okay has Juno ever done something like this before? Um, probably not to like as large of a scale of as this. The the process of interfacing with the ship probably isn't dissimilar than Straw using his nanotech to communicate with her like he did last episode. So if she was just like inter if she was just, like, interfacing with the ship to, like, fly it or something, I would agree. But she's trying to change a pretty complicated AI here. Right. Oh. I'm, like, trying to code here. <laughs> you got to go in and download the link. To, be, to clarify, I'm not saying that would be easy. But what I'm saying is that she might have a starting point to, like, help figure it out. Uh, yeah, but Unleashing Powers makes sense. I agree this is correct. <laughs> I was just adding flavor. <laughs> Roll plus freak, please. Do you guys want us to, like, give you some, like, privacy or quiet for this? Juno's probably, like, zogged out. <laughs> Straw, look, Straw okay. looks at Ezra and goes, why? <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, this seems like a really, like, intimate kind of thing. I don't know if we should. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, what, what did you roll? Okay, so... I rolled a nine, and then I have plus three freak, so that's okay. Hell yeah. But I'm also hopeless, oh. so it's minus two. But that would still be a ten. Yeah. So that's still a ten. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you, you, yeah, you are able to do it. Um, so to be clear, what you are doing, uh, and, and and I'm asking you, I'm not saying that this is what happens. I just want to, you know, know what exactly your goal is here. Um, right. So what you are trying to do is that you're going into Prism Systems to find the conflicts between her being loyal to the Ascendancy and loyal to Stravix and switch it just over to Stravix. Right. I, I imagine I'd be pushing his, like, order priority to the to the very top instead of um her his his parents i presume <laughs> i mean i guess we didn't really talk about it but but it's up to it's up to juno in the moment but like severing her like loyalty to the ascendancy altogether 
Yeah, it's probably a situation where she she puts like um straw as like the admin and like the person who <laughs> is top top okay. level. Uh-huh. So so you are you are still keeping that the ascendancy is able to send her messages and, and get to her. Is that what you're saying? Because keeping them sort of in like Straw's example here, like Straw would ultimately be able to control her. Um, are you severing the connection at all between her and the ascendancy? Or are you still keeping that? No, because Prism has clarified that if she was cut off completely, it would cause a problem. Okay. But presumably, if Straw has admin privileges, basically, he can tell Prism to sever communications or spoof a response. And, and Straw, would be, Straw, Straw would be able to, to force her to send fraudulent information, if that would be beneficial. Okay. So are you are you keeping so are you deleting the Israel ascendancy on the sort of like order of priorities or are you just putting straw at the top? I'm putting straw at the at the top and I'm probably moving them to like the lowest possible kind of interface that they can have. Okay, so so tied with Jackrabbit. No, <laughs> I was just about to say like finally I'm not last in the totem yeah. pole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so just below Jackrabbit is probably... They try to open the door, and they're like, no. Oh, yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, she gets real snotty to the blood comet. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> she's just like, um, excuse me, but who are you? <laughs> I only take orders from the people at the top. <laughs> Jackrabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so you are you are keeping them on the sort of like people that she listens to, but putting them at the bottom since she only knows yes. six ki- things that she communicates. That would be like you know straw, and then the uh, the four of you, and then at the very bottom is uh, is this rel ascendancy. Is that correct? Right, right. There's one other thing I'd like to modify if um, you want me to roll because it's like two different or whatever. Um, but I also want to make sure that Straw has all permissions to any data data banks that um, Prism has so that we don't have to worry about dicking around looking through her libraries and stuff for this um, secret information they couldn't find before. I, I think that we can keep that the same role. That seems very okay. much within the line of essentially making Straw the administrator of this AI Right. Can we cancel out her printout redundancies? (laughs) That that, that is getting reinforced. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So what you are essentially doing now is making sure that Straw can have full capabilities over Prism, access all of her information um, as he wishes to. And uh, the Zarela Ascendancy is sort of put to the bottom of her um, order of people that she listens to. I'm just okay. imagine it like when you're organizing the Discord roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going through it's, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I sort of imagine that Juno just took a mouse and just dragged them to the bottom. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what I was imagining. <laughs> and hacked. <laughs> Um, okay, so Juno has hacked the mainframe. Um, yeah, so uh, you see uh, the the alien language on the screen going faster and faster and faster, and then it just stops, and the screens 
light up green, Strav would note that what this says is uh, changes approved. So you have hacked into the mainframe successfully. Uh, what do you do? Uh, Strav will kind of nod to Juno and thanks and then say, Prism, come online. Yes, War Prince. How do you feel? I feel that the conflict has been resolved, War Prince. Excellent. I I like to imagine um, that now that she's been like, not Junoified, but modified, instead of like gl- glowing like an alien green or whatever, now her like technology glow is the same like purple of Juno's hair. Nice. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I would also like to think that her personality is now much nicer to everybody. <laughs> and she uses Earth slang. Aw, oh, but I love Fiji Prism. <laughs> I think she still has a bit of a tood, but it's not like... Everyone did just get bumped up on her nice list. That's true. So it was probably Stravix and the Zrel Ascendancy, like, sort of, like, neck and neck with the Zrel Ascendancy, maybe, like, a touch more. Um, Basically close enough that she was conflicted about it. Um, And then Juno and Asbel, Ezra, and Jackrabbit last. 42 Zrel, like... AI technicians and then the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she misses them. She still prints them out Christmas cards. Um. Aww. <laughs> Wait, Yo, hold y'all on got Zrell Ascendancy Christmas? Christmas, <laughs> Christmas is for everyone. <laughs> I'd like to think it's a completely different holiday that shares the same name and Strawberry. Yeah, it's very called, confused. It's spelled, it's spelled entirely differently with like 12 apostrophes. But the the other yeah. option is that Jesus is a member of the Zrel Ascendancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole can of worms I don't think we need to get into in canon. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <clears throat> but um, uh, Strat will say, then I would like you to, any orders that you receive from the Zrel Ascendancy, I would like you to take no action on. Respond in the affirmative, but take no action before clearing them with me. Affirmative, War Prince. Do not relay any information to the Ascendancy before I approve it. Affirmative, War Prince. Then, and then send fabricated updates. Uh, use, use the data that you've collected to, as a seed, to procedurally generate fabricated updates to send. And she starts to print out fabricated updates. I will send them if they are to your liking, War Prince. Straw will say, we should probably look at those to make sure that they are, like, cool and aren't blatantly... She, she just sends it back, like, War Prince Stravix has conquered every planet in the solar system. <laughs> he is super cool and handsome. Yeah. Um, Prism, we need to adjust this algorithm. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so um with that done and presumably that the the reports look fine mm-hmm. um straw is going to turn to asbel and say so then i guess we just have to check her databases then right yeah did that thing have a name of some sort or um it's never really given me a name it doesn't it doesn't really use words all right um straw will turn and then like basically like 
run a data search through the through like Prism's databases, which is also like everything that the Zrel Ascendancy like knows. Um, mm -hmm. It's the Zrel Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Nice>. Um, <laughs> and uh, based on just like a description of the phenomenon to basically see like what pump comes up and like, I guess we established that like something came up, but it was like redacted. So I guess I'm just trying to access that file and then yeah. see what the redacted information was. Yeah, um, you are able to access it now. Um, so the redacted information is, um, it's actually a legend. Um, it's a legend of something that is in your language referred to as a galaxy eater. Um, it's, Original. <laughs> Nicholas, please. Um, there's not really a name for it because there's like only legends and like speculation. Um, it's basically an eternal and like almost eternal being that like as it's moving from um, from like the infant stage into uh, into the adult stage will um, will create a connection with um, with someone or something to be able to transport itself and then uh, by consuming um, the galaxy or some sort of large cosmic area uh, become essentially infinitely powerful. Um, it's speculated that there have been things like this in the past. Um, no one knows if it's real or if there's a way to defeat it or anything like that. Um, but the Zrel Ascendancy has been doing some um, highly classified research into the topic. And uh, do I, like, from... I imagine like the information about that research, are they like making any headway or is it still basically like, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's still kind of on the side of like, I don't know. Uh -huh. um, they do have some strange readings, which is sort of like why they started taking this more seriously because they have so many different, um, they, they ha basically throughout space, space, they're like, uh, they're, you know, their ascendancy is it reaches pretty far. So um, they found this legend cropping up on different worlds and uh, they attribute like they think that like some strange readings of like things that may be like a black hole, but like seem a little bit too suspicious to be a black hole. Um, they think that there might be one that's active, which like they note that no creature in living memory has ever has ever seen one. So this might all be bullshit too uh-huh so straw is like reading the report which is still in like the zarelian like alien script uh, and his eyes go a little wide and then he goes prism can you display this in english affirmative for prince and then he just like kind of turns wide-eyed to look at asbel ah you know that makes sense it's very hungry um you seem a little chill about that I mean, I think it'll work for our purposes, but I think that's also another really big concern. <laughs> I guess one problem at a time, huh? Asbel nods. I mean, <laughs> he kind of like smiles, but like, it's very, it's definitely like a little unsettling because why would he be smiling right now? It's just nice to know, you know? I mean, I always knew this was going to kill me, but it's nice to know what it is. Wait, it, I mean, it doesn't have to come to that does it straw kind of looks to everybody else for backup here 
Uh, Juno looks very um, shaken by this, and uh, as Straw kind of turns to, to look at her, she, she backs up and, and leaves the room. Um, I think I go over to Asbel and just kind of like put both hands onto Asbel's shoulders and say, I wasn't born. I was created by the space feller that came down wanting to eliminate the planet and I was meant to be a power source for it. As his eyes go a bit wide. <laughs> I sacrificed everything so that I could get him into a pocket dimension and keep people safe. And so, and I severed that connection with it. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to shake out and we're going to... We're, but we're going to figure that out together. You're not going to die. Galaxy ain't getting eaten. And we're going to kick a lot of space shit's ass. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. One thing at a time, right? One thing at a time. One thing at a time. War Prince Stratovix. Yes, Prism. I believe that this rel ascendancy may be coming sooner than believed. Do you have an ETA? Tomorrow morning. I guess it's a good thing we went to the school tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. Uh, Prism, how big is a scouting team? I am unsure of the particular number of troops that are coming, but I do know that they are sending the Vanguard. And uh, Straw would know that the Vanguard are uh, are shock troops. So they could be coming to investigate, but also they would be prepared to uh, to take over enough that this Royal Ascendancy would be like a threat, like probably enough to like take over the city. Mm -hmm. They're going to investigate, but they're going to do it with quantum particle weapons. Yeah, they're, they're going to investigate, but, like, probably you can tell that they're pretty confident that Straw has, like, fucked this up somehow. And this is, like, the beginning of them sending, like, a wave of Zrel to, like, take over the world. So Straw, like, looks a little panicked, um, and he's going to say, well, what if, what, if, what if I send them a message saying that I've uncovered a potential cosmic threat and need to investigate further, and their arrival could exacerbate the situation. I could even say that a possible galaxy eater has been located in the system, and I need to investigate further before the arrival of more ships could awaken it? I don't know. I'm worried that that just might say, well, let's just fucking blast this planet out of the solar system. Well, I, I think we need to frame it in such a way that, like, if the Ascendancy takes any action, it could unleash this thing. We need to make it seem like it's not the worth the risk. I agree with you. I'm just throwing out that counterpoint of, like, they might say, you know what, let's try and nuke it out of the sky. And if it and if this thing does develop, let's hightail it out. I'm just this is not me trying to be counter for the sake of being counter like I am every other time, this is a legitimate concern the that they might do. Uh, it's <laughs> meant to be, and that's why I'm trying to tell you. Straw will nod and say, well, what if, like, 
I could send some sort of like preliminary message that says like, hey, there's a potential threat, but I'm looking into it. Stand down. And then like we somehow intercept the shock troops and then somehow we convey the message to them more of like a demonstration thing. I don't know, like, like make them think that through their observations to corroborate my story that like if they fuck around, they're going to find out. He said, looking at Jackrabbit and nodding. <laughs> if we can do that and protect Asbel, I'm as for that as I can be about the fact that there are hostile folk coming and being on, on the planet face. Uh, Straw actually gets an idea um, and goes, wait, Prism, pull up the, the readings that the, the Zrel have cataloged uh, in regards to these galaxy eaters. Um, she does so. What are you looking for here? Um, once they're on the screen, oh, Juno, Juno walked away. Um, <laughs> Straw like turns to Juno, forgetting that she's gone, and goes, "Oh, he's going to run out of the room." So, um, the last few panels of this issue are Straw uh, looking at these readings, and then um, going to talk to Juno. He realizes that Juno isn't there, and uh runs out of the room and uh, our very last panel is we can uh we can see him with everyone else behind him looking at him as he comes through the door um leaving the mainframe area so let's get into our end of session stuff okay um so i want to start with uh stravix um do you grow closer to the team grow into your image of yourself or grow away from the team i think straw is definitely growing closer to the team here um with everybody being more like unified against the problem um it definitely despite like him being the cause of the problem and him worrying about his friends leaving him the fact that like they're all rallying together to help him solve this problem makes him feel really good um Mm -hmm. so i think that makes the most sense yeah well i'm definitely gonna mark potential and then i think i think i'm gonna give influence to juno okay um i think that you know, just the two of them working together to modify Prism was significant. And also Straw has a crush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to Juno next. Yeah. Uh, man, I think for the first time I'm growing closer to the team. Yeah. 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 I think that makes a lot of sense for Juno this episode. <laughs> um... And I think I'd like to give influence to uh, Jack. Yes, yeah. I got it back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that I, was I, a really good speech. I think scene. his little speech, yeah, I think yeah. his little speech really kind of um, touched good. Juno and at least gave her, like, some stuff to think about, whether or not it's good or bad. Jack's mm-hmm. hidden power, emotional support. Jack's <laughs> hidden power, making a point after 20 minutes. <laughs> 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 um and I'm going to remove a condition 
Nice. What are you at? Like three now? <laughs> I'll be at I'll be at one left. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but I'd I'd like to hear opinions. Um, I have afraid and hopeless, and I'm thinking Jack's little speech would have probably influenced how afraid she is versus how hopeless she is. Does that make sense to you guys? If that makes sense to you. So what what did you know take from Jack's speech? So it was like, <laughs> this is going to sound really terrible, but just the fact that she keeps having this this kind of theme thrown out at her over and over again that like, yeah, you're you're doing really good and like you should you're doing very like leader type things and that means like the people look up to you and you're doing the right thing, but Juno is still very clearly feeling like she is not doing the correct thing, <laughs> um, so she's very confused. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he is mimicking what Dr. Quantum said makes her trust him more, I suppose. Okay. So she, like, yeah. feels more confident that she's going on the right path, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that yep. afraid makes sense. Yeah, that, that, that. makes sense. Yeah, then. Okay. yeah I, can, I can see arguments for both, like, also, like, for both, like, you know, like, hopeless. It's just kind of like, you know, all these people are telling me that, like, maybe the rules aren't perfect, and that I am doing the right thing, but it's still scary to go against the rules. Is just my right. thought for like hopeless. King yeah, King. yeah. I'm I'm gonna clear afraid, but thank you for your opinions. Yeah. Uh, what are your labels at? Because I'm not trying to give you a condition. Uh, so my danger is at plus one. My freak is at plus three. My savior is at plus three. My superior is minus two, and my mundane is minus one. Uh, I want to say that since I think that you're a good leader, that I'm moving your superior up. Okay. And I think that, to me, I'm reading Freak as in, like, you know, you being, like, out of place and everything, and I think I'm going to drop that to drop that. Excellent. Thank you. Next, I want to go to Jackrabbit. Oh, Jack's shared a lot of feelings this session. <laughs> mm-hmm. He sure did. Grow away uh. from the team. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck y'all. The actual chaos gremlin option. Oh. Hey, there's no rule that says you can't. <laughs> yep. I resent no, you all I... for you making me tell you all this. <laughs> Uh, no, I think that it's definitely grew closer to the team, and I want to say, I'm going to say that I grew closer to Asbel, just because, like, I think while all of the conversations were pretty deep, uh, the fact that I admitted that I am not, like, a naturally born person, but a created entity... Is kind of a big one. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what are your labels at? <laughs> uh, I am free to move about the cabin. Uh, danger is zero. Freak is zero. Savior's minus one. And then superior and mundane are both two. Okay. So based on what you said and why you said it and how you said it... Um, I'm going to actually move Savior up um, and 
superior down. Getting closer to having perfect zeros. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Love it. Um. Okay, let's go to Asbel next. Uh, following the theme, I think Asbel grew closer to the team. And I'm like kind of debating who exactly to choose here. Because everyone really like did a lot to like you know go out of their way to like just jump on yeah sure we'll break into the school with you and you know deal with this cosmic entity and we're all together like dealing with this problem finally and then Ezra was really cute and then Jack was like shut the fuck up you're not gonna die I do think that just in like the way that Ezra made him feel like a normal teenage guy for a little bit. Ezra's the one who he felt closest to this time. In the midst of all of this bullshit, he gets to just kind of, like, have those normal moments of, like, oh my god, my crush is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Alright. I already have influence. That's true. Um, my- the only thing that is at the top right now is Savior is at plus three. That's okay, cause we're gonna, we're gonna. Mm, let's see here. Um, where I am gonna check the things real quick. I think I already have this open. Haha. Um, we're going to we're gonna bump up mundane. That makes sense for uh, the exact reasons you you specified. And we're we're gonna we're gonna drop savior. Actually, you don't get a three. <laughs> You can have you can have a two, because um, like Savior is all about like you know defending things or people, and the Dooms kind of got the whole self sacrifice thing tied to that. Yeah, yeah. You don't gotta do that because you got people. into that martyr complex. Yeah, because you got people who are willing to like either stop you from sacrificing yourself, wink, <laughs> or uh, or just you know willing to help you out so that it's not like as big of a sacrifice because it's spread out amongst, like, a handful of people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. And, uh, finally, Ezra. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick something that nobody else did, just because, you know, I think it's interesting to, to be, to be, like, not all on the same thing. So I'm going closer to the team, of course. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it to Jack for, uh, for, you know, the reasons that I think have been specified already, his secret power being, like, nice emotional talks. The tea garden chat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there you go. Uh, anything Mind or... Well, no, I just gained your influence now again, so... Yep. Uh, uh, now you and I both yet. have each other's. Yep. And... Right now, the only person who doesn't have any influence over me and I don't have any inf- influence over is, uh, is Stravix. That tracks. Same for me. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so we all settled then? Did I, I get so. everyone? I think so. Alright. So we will see you all in the next episode. Bye! 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 Bye!
Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a Gith Yankee. My character is a Doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes. I, 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 and you are? I, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumbo. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> As you walk down the sidewalk, passing shops of all kinds, the cold wind stinging against your cheeks as the snow beneath your feet gives a light crunching, you see a sign above your goal. Chronicle Comics. You open the door, the ding of the bell letting the clerk know someone has entered. He looks up at your familiar face and says, Hey, uh, that comic you were picking up ended its run, but it looks like the company printing it as uh, something new out. And he hands you a comic. On the cover, a city along the water at night, searchlights across the dark sky. In each light are four faces with names and contrastingly colorful font below them. Falcon Girl. No, he would not be impressed. He'd be like 50 times more pissed than he already is at me. Royale. Yeah, watching and seeing what happens isn't stopping the crime. Remix. Am I the only one confused why Quasi can whisper? Quasi Raptor. Quasi never gets to eat. Above them, in white font with yellow bordering, the words Cape Chronicles. Available every first and third Wednesday of each month starting March 2nd, 2022 from Project Derailed, wherever you get your podcasts. It is cramped in here. ProjectDerailed.com